What's up, guys? Tyler Tambaline here, a.k.a. Toe Tag and Tambo. Back from a pretty long weekend for me, so I appreciate everybody that reached out. For those of you that don't know, I did have my second child, a baby boy, so super pumped about that. Had a pretty good weekend overall, which we'll get into here in a second, but pumped to be back so soon, talking some golf. I've got uh, this show that I'm going to do with you guys, which is going to be the review show. Going to recap the Millie Maker, the $3.20 Max, the $8.88, the big one that they had there, and then also the $3.180 that you know myself, Cards, a couple other guys were in and talk about some of the lineups there. Preview the pricing for this week for the Rocket Mortgage Classic, which dropped early this morning. And yeah, we'll get started. So right at the top here, guys, we're on rotogrinders.com. Shameless plug. You can head on over to uh, our Twitter and see, or my Twitter, at Totag and Tambo. It's DraftKings.com. The link is there. You can go to our Fantasy Golf Degenerates Listener League. That's out. I'll be on later on this afternoon recording that show with Kenny, where we'll go more in-depth on the pricing that I'm going to preview later. But to get started with this, if those of you that don't know, you're going to go to PGA. You're going to go to Results DB. This is how we go back and do our recaps and research and look into all this stuff. You're going to click on the date, go back to the most recent. So when did it start? It starts on a Thursday. The tournament did. So 25th, Sport is Golf. You're going to go to Contests. And then you can see right here all the buy-ins, the prize pools. I have my screen zoomed in a little bit, but it'll have all the winners. We're going to talk about B-Pass. We're going to talk about G-Money. Brewers You know, is a common name you'll see across the board. But good weekend for all these guys, in some cases over a million dollars. But we're going to get started with the Millie Maker. So I've loaded it up here. You guys all know it. You know, We all try our best at this thing. Whether you put 1, 2, 10, 150 bullets in, it's up to you. It's all you know, risk versus reward, entertainment value versus grinding, whatever you choose to do. Uh, I maxed it again, didn't have much success here, lost over 1,000 in this tournament, uh, got back a little bit in tears, and then we'll talk about some uh, some good luck I had, a little maybe early baby swag, but hopefully didn't waste it all because technically he was born after the slate had started. So I'm really hoping to really come through this week at the Rocket, at the Rocket Mortgage Classic. But yeah, go, go into it here. Uh, the Millie Maker was B-Past002 was the winner. Took it down here. He had 26 entries in total. You'll see this week the theme as we're going through, guys, was the common, you know, or the common theme, I should say, was that you really had to be super contrarian. We all know a lot of the chalk went down. We even had to, you know, almost had Sung JM break it down, who would have been even further, and he didn't end up on the winning teams, but he was heavily owned across all the contests, and he had to do a, a last-second shot, basically, to, to put it close to hold two feet and then be able to make it from there. So uh, good on him and good for those that had him. But if you look at B-Pass 002, first thing that stands out, 26 entries, Similar build to what I've been talking about the last couple of weeks on here, right? You got three guys and two of them. The biggest standout was that two of them were under 2%. So Will Gordon, who made a name for himself, uh, earned himself a temporary status, uh, unlimited sponsors exemptions with that. He needed T3 or better. Uh, Mac Hughes down the stretch made two huge bombs, something like 90 feet of putts in the last two holes to be able to get there and tie him for third. But it, he was still out of the kitchen. He was still safe on that one. So huge turnaround from him. 112 points, Brennan Steele, 111, Doc Redman, who we'll talk about this week, has gone up $1,800, but still looks like sort of good chalk on the upcoming slate, but he had his sort of, uh, you know, he's been, I wouldn't say a coming out party, he's been out for a while, he hasn't had any big runs as of late, but you know he's been on with the ball striking, you just sort of need to find a putter, he did, especially on Sunday, ended at 93 DJ, of course, breaking out and getting his win. But the interesting part about his build was that you had he had three guys above 9K, including Bryson, way up there at 11. Cantlay, DJ, and DJ being the winner, these two still came through in Cantlay and Bryson DeChambeau at over 100 points. And then, of course, having your, your two punts come through there, it just basically needed Redmond to do anything. Uh, overall, solid build. 
interesting part was with B passed, and I don't know as many people noticed this, but he actually came first, sixth, and twelfth. So I don't know if he needed or wanted the extra twenty-two. I'm sure he wanted it, but uh, when you already got the top prize, it was pretty nice to see. One thing I'll note is with only twenty-six entries, he still pray- played it pretty tight. So I think it does stick back to the theme that you know Cards and I talked about a couple weeks ago, and Cards stands by it all the time. And we'll talk about his week, but um, sticking to that core. If you look at his sixth place lineup, first place he had Bryson, Cantlay, DJ, Doc, Steele, Gordon. Sixth place, the only change was Hoagie over Steele. So Steele obviously paid it out. Hoagie didn't have quite as good a week, but he still made the cut and got him some points there. And then if you look at his lineup in 12th, it's a little different, but it's because no DJ. Basically, Bryson, Cantlay, Redmond, Steele. Bryson, Cantlay, Redmond, Steele are there. Now DJ and Gordon got swapped to Domin and Hovland, who both happen to have really good weeks uh, you know, guys that you can look at, Hovland especially for this week, At you know, he went way up to 10,000. We'll have to talk about that when we get there. And Kenny and I will spend some more time on the Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast. But I do think that, you know, that just goes to show you you got you got to be tight with your core. You got to mix it around some. And I think that, you know, you, you could say that's obvious, but it's not what everyone does, even myself included, right? I've been caught with it in the past. Cards and I had a good talk with it on the Wednesday show a couple weeks ago where I chose, you know, still to go a little bit outside of what he was thinking. But this is sort of the idea you want with only 26 lineups, kept it very tight across the board. You know, most of them cashed. If you look at his core here, I don't know if he had any, maybe a couple, because I can't see that. I didn't count them all up. But if you look, a lot of them got within and at least made a min cash and then obviously made it pay off at the top with the full million, the Tournament of Champions entry that he gets. And then the other two that were right there that were still huge week uh, for most people. They would take that any day with just a sixth place at 15,000 alone. So congrats to B-Pass 002. I think, you know, don't have to talk about it much. Pretty obvious once you get in the Millie Maker, you need something very unique. The week was extremely chalky and it didn't actually, uh, sorry, the week had a lot of chalk that didn't pay off, which left you to be these types of builds where three guys under, uh, over here, I think it was three guys under 10%, two under 2%, uh, even Cantlay only 13%. So really super unique build. Good to see there. Happy for him. Congratulations to B-Pass 002. Gonna hop over here quick. Just to take a look at it, because I know everyone you know talks about bankrolls and maybe they don't have the money to put into the Millie Maker. I think the $3.20 max is always a good one to look at. We've looked at it the past few weeks. Same sort of thing, and we'll get to it in a second with sort of entries that it takes to win these things. But a lot of guys in this one did have the 20 entry or you know the 14, 14, something like that where they were up there. Some of them being the same guy. You know, TKSO got a third and 10th off the same core. Oki K won it with just three, though. So you can say whatever you want about max entries or having all the builds. He's got his 30,000. It only took him three entries. And if you look at how he played it out, okay, just one second here. Only one of the three. So mixed it up a little bit, got it to the top. Xander, DJ, answer. Another three guys over 9K build and then just fitting in the punts. But he didn't have to go as crazy. He just needed some lower ownership guys. You know, Varner, Streelman, both great plays in this tournament. Both had the upside, a former winner in Streelman. Varner, who's been on since the three-week kickback. You know, he had one bad week, but the first week he was right in the mix. Back at it again this week. We'll talk about him for this week upcoming. Answer who we've loved. You know, DJ, got to have the winner in this case to pull it off. And then Xander right there. Xander really didn't have a great finish, but overall another solid value at 9,600 for 87 points. Uh, You know, just under what you'd be looking for kind of in that 10X range, but right there in the mix to make it happen. One thing to note is obviously if you look back here, 656 to take it down. I'll go off B-Pass for a second. 634, 633, 624. You know, this lineup would have come 
fourth or sorry, fifth actually in this tournament. So or in the Millie maker. So nice spot to have it for 30,000. Fifth would have been 20,000 here. So it just goes to show if that's all the money you got, spread it around, put it in something like this, and you can still have a shot to take it down. So shout out to Oki K. Good week out of him. I mean, you look at his pool, like I said, it's, it's definitely spaced out, but he only had the three entries total. I'm going to spend a bit more time this week on a little bit of the higher stakes. I think there's a few things to be said here. And again, if you guys looked at the lobby for this week, we have another Millie Maker on $3.20 max like always. They've dropped the 888 down to 555 So if for those of you that had any, the 444 where they cashed you out, and it's just a little bit more to get into something like this if you still want to take your shot. Or for those of you that have some 555 tickets, I know from before, you're going to be able to get into the tournament that's like this. It's just it's gone up to 1,600 people. But it's not that big of a difference, and I'll go into some theory in a second. Uh, and then I'm lastly, I'm going to do the 3180 just because I know cards was in it, had some unfortunate luck. I was in it. I definitely don't want to just show winners when I can show losers as well and sort of talk you through my process. And then you guys can apply that for this week maybe in the tournaments that you play in, maybe even the $200 single entry or some of the, the GPPs that are a little bit more but have some of the smaller fields. So starting with the 888, big, big prizes up top, 200K at the top. Uh, max entry was, I believe, 37. Yeah, if you look down here, Flavor Flav, Colin Bennett, Go Sixers Go, the usual suspects, great players, guys that have you know a lot on the line here, 37 entries in it. But the first thing that stood out to me in the 888 was, and only for the sake of, for those of you that are looking to take a shot, or for those of you that have the ticket, I know a lot of people DM me and say, you know, I'm nervous about this week. I got an 888 ticket or a 555 ticket. Not sure what to do with this lineup. I'm not sure how to play it. I want to show you first off, and I know I talked about already where the chalk didn't get there, but if you just look, one entry, one entry, three, two, 14 was the highest in the top 15, the top 16 before you get to a Raven 52, another great player with 20 entries. You know, look at these guys, one, two, three, one, three, two, 14, one, one, three, three, one, one. Look at all these single builds that still got there. And even some of the bigger names, you know, Brett Favre, this guy's been around forever. BR Punk Mac, just three. Hosta Beast, one. These guys are playing a lot. And then of course the guys at the top, G Money, Brewers, NY Knicks, these guys have one to three lineups in, and they're all still getting it done on that. Nothing feels better than that. I can talk about that myself later. I got a story on that this week, a little, like I said, early baby swag, but nothing feels better than getting it done with a single bullet. So congrats to G Money, first of all, but I think that should stand out. The other thing, you know, 570, and this is not a surprise. I get that you guys probably know this, but I still want to just talk about it a little bit, is, I mean, doesn't even sniff the top 50 in either of these tournaments, which is what it is. That's the idea. But I don't think everyone takes that as serious because they say, well, of course it doesn't take as many. It's way less entries. That's the math. That's the obvious point. But it also should go into your strategy and your theory of what you're building, right? Everyone's looking to build lineups for these tournaments and thinking, oh, I need to build. And I talked about my own mistake a couple of weeks ago, but everyone's thinking I need to build this Millie Maker winner type lineup. Of course, that would be nice if you put one in here, Always dupe it in the Millie Maker in case, you know, you would have won this and won the other. 200000 is nice, but $1.2 is a lot nicer. So I definitely would advocate for that. But at the same time, they are different builds. You don't obviously need the same. If you look here, uh, what was it overall? 656, almost 100 points difference, right, when you're looking at it. So 570 is what it took to take this down. Let's look at the lineup here. G Money 1026 started with Rory McIlroy. I think it was a great leverage play when you think about the Bryson ownership and guys that were going to be on Bryson last week when you had for 200 bucks more Rory. I know it, you know, I don't even think I'll see if he's here. He's right behind him. 102.5, 104.5. It really didn't make a difference, but the theory was more in the fact that Bryson was going to be well over 
when Rory was, and again, in this tournament came in even higher at 13% because people were on that play as a sharper leverage play. But, you know, they both panned out, so it is what it is. I just wanted to bring that up first of all. DJ, got to have the winner. Hovland, we all loved last week. He was an extremely chalky play, but probably the best chalk value results-oriented aside. Uh, I mean, being results-oriented aside, I still liked Hovland at the 7,800. Um, talk about some mistakes made there in a minute. Jason Day, you know, guy, here's another one. Jay Day, Louis O, uh, Phil Mickelson. Even add him and Phil at the bottom. The three guys that I would talk about here, three extremely volatile plays, but three plays that, you know, in the long term, and again, we're coming back from a long break. We're on our third or fourth week here where, you know, you're looking at some of these guys and their long-term form is just too good to not mix them in. And again, they still didn't really quite come through. They came through for their prices, absolutely. So don't get me wrong. DFS-wise, value-wise, they came through, and that's why they're on the winning team. But, you know, first off, the Cajones to put in Day, Oosthuizen, and Mickelson, that's that's a big start. But if you look at it, it's not really that crazy. When you think about some of the other plays guys put in, they're just as risky because their, you know, name value isn't quite as much. But their stats may show up, but then people are scared to play them. Here you've got Jason Day, long-term history, only 7500 bucks. Louis Oosthuizen, same thing, 7200 And Phil Mickelson, I talked about on one of the shows last week where first time in forever, you'll see this guy at $6,900. So, and I mean, he had a first round sort of lead going and everything happened in there where you were kind of shaking it off like, holy smokes, what's going on here? Phil's back? Again, it didn't happen to pan out over the weekend, but I like the build for that reason. I like the build that sort of skips a range in the 8K range, only uses one guy from the bottom that no one is really going to be on. So other thing of it was balance the heavy chalk, which we'll see some of the builds in a second when I get to the 3180 where people play it way way safer. Um, but if you look, he knew he had a guy here that was 36% or going to be in that 30 to 40 range and then opted to go down from there. Again, DJ was much higher here. Sharper play as a leverage spot, too low of a price for a guy with that upside and fit with the theme of Day, Oosthuizen, and, and Mickelson of all being those lower owned, big name guys that aren't quite at the price tier of what maybe they should be. And then with all the coronavirus stuff that happened with all the withdrawals of Webb and Brooks and all that, it immediately sent people to more Bryson, more JT, more Cantlay. And in turn, you had a guy like DJ, who's a prolific winner, used that statement, saw it on Twitter a little bit today, and I like it. Uh, you know, a guy that now has 21 wins. So a uh, huge weekend for DJ, huge weekend for G Money 1026. I think it was a sharp lineup all around. The plays made sense. Like I said, he balanced the ownership with the low owned guys and went off the board versus some of the lineups we'll look at in a second. Um, we'll sh- say shout out to Brewers, but we're going to transition with that said. Brewers 828 came in second. Another Roto-Grinders member picks up 125,000 here with one bullet, 561 points, but he played sort of that single bullet strategy and we're going to flip over to the 3180 and lo and behold, you've got Brewers 828 with that same lineup at the top. So we'll dissect the lineup here. We'll look at it overall. You know, again, this is a little bit higher stakes, guys, so I get that. It's not going to be, you know, most guys aren't putting three. Empire Makers got his three. Hoop 2410, who you guys know, has three. Workman Age, big winner from last week. Had a pretty good week this week, it looks like, again. But if you look at the overall, so back to Brewers 828, put the same bullet in both. That's over 225000 just between those tournaments alone that we just looked at. His build is actually strong. He goes to the similar theory of what we just talked about back there. He knows he has the high-stakes chalk at 49% with Victor Hovland. And then he takes an approach from there that basically gets off the rest of the chalk. So I'll go down just to see here if I can find it. Um, Let me see here. 
think it was a dupe. I think it's something like, um, I should have been more prepared. I had it teed up earlier to look at it and I can't quite find it, but I'm going to look at this one just because it was duped. And I know this lineup's pretty popular. Look at this build for a second, guys. You got Sung JM 41%, who I said had to sneak through to make the cut on a, you know, a two footer on the last from like 150 yards. So obviously he's you know, deadly with his irons, but that was still, he needed it, planted it to two feet, made the putt good on him, but yeah, it didn't quite come through just 65, but you had 41%, 40% Finau, 24% Woodland, all three missed the cut, 20% Scheffler, and then the chalk of the 49%. I love this build. I think it's very good for a 100-man field uh, with 3,100 on the line. I totally understand that. I can just see why it's a, you know, I talk about this in football all the time when you, you guys see my NFL content when it comes around the bust rate. A lot of guys will talk about this. What's the bust rate when you have all this chalk in one lineup? I know it's high, but sometimes you got to just play the best plays. And I, you know, again, there's absolutely nothing. I don't know whose lineup this is. There's nothing wrong with this lineup. I like it. I think that I would have easily played a lineup like this myself. I opt to go more of the GPP strategy and I'll go to my lineup in a second. But I just wanted to show you guys the difference of what I see looking at it from my eyes. When you go up here to Brewers, yes, he knows he's taking the hit on Hovland. I wish I did. Uh, and we'll get to that. But, you know, he says, okay, if I'm going to take a guy like Hovland, I know I've got to differentiate elsewhere. And he didn't really go way off the board. I would say Stanley was off the board. Again, great ball striker. Nothing wrong with the play. Paid off. Not doubting that. I'm saying that would be the one you'd be, okay, this is a little bit scary because he's definitely boom or bust. But in something like this, if he booms, which he did for his price at 82.5 points, beat, you know, crushed all those other guys that didn't even make the cut, crushed a Sungjae, crushed all those guys in that range for 6,200. Nas not really super risky. In my opinion, he was risky because he was coming off a withdrawal, but he was, you know, undervalued huge at 7,100. He was actually the only person out of the 100 people to play him. And that's why. But again, with, with big risk comes big reward. I don't have anything against that play. Uh, a winner on tour the last year and a half, he said two wins. And on top of that, at 7,100, is more than fair. The chalk we all loved. Leishman, who I had in my build, doesn't mean it's right, but I like that at 8,000. I like Leishman basically anytime he's under 8,500. I think it's a more than fair price. A guy that we know has upside, had everything going his way this week, and it started out so strong with like a 67 and a 66, and then just completely disappeared on the weekend. So hopefully uh, people remember that next time. Hopefully he comes out cheaper and we can get back on that and attack it that way. Cantlay, we talked about. Basically, this was, uh, you know, I don't know if he had an original build. It'd be kind of funny if he had a, you know, a Kepka build that forced him off it into Cantlay. But, you know, Cantlay was, again, just underpriced. No one really wanted to play him coming off the layoff, but I didn't really see any reason to. It was a septum surgery. It wasn't like a major thing that he was coming off a back, a wrist, a hand, anything like that that really should affect his game too much. But in the end, again, great play. 103.5 points. He paid off well for 9,800. In this tournament, you can notice this too crushed it by you know 29 points didn't have the winner in in dj so didn't even need it um the first dj lineup i think was third in this one yeah and it's just because it went with a lot of the chalk right you had a lot of guys that missed the cut bubba was another one so yeah congrats to brewers 828 you saw him in both places you saw over 828,000. i'm trying to remember this here and i think again i apologize for not being as prepared but i think this is me. Yeah, this is me here, guys. So th this was my lineup, 43rd place. I like showing it because, again, you guys think we're going to come on here and only talk about when we have winners. This was a dump off of $3,100. But pretty much this was my, you know, my lost profit on the week and then some round four showdown. The Millie Maker, I got back about $1,900 on the three grand. And then I made up 
uh, with some winning. I had a tiers hundred dollar tournament that I won for a small amount that basically made that back, but definitely not, you know, all profits on the week. When you see my win that you guys see posted, you know, I'm not crazy. I'm not scared to share this stuff and go through it with you. So I want to show you my lineup. I think it's still important to talk through something like this. It'll help me for next week. It hopefully helps you guys. If you are going to play something in the higher stakes, but even in anything that you're putting it into. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with this build. I just want to go through with you guys and we'll see sort of how I built and where my mindset was. The first thing was, and you won't notice this on here, but I'll tell you my game theory behind it is these were all AM runners. So the thing I noticed was that all of the chalk was on PM runners and it wasn't duped. This was a, a second lineup that was just very similar, but all the guys in, you know, the Woodland, Finau, Hovland, Neiman was another guy we didn't come across yet, but all of those guys were PM. And there was no edge or wave advantage with weather this week. It wasn't really that. What I noticed the last couple of weeks was with a little bit of rain, the watering of the greens, the things like that, I thought maybe there'd be a little bit of an edge to it. And I'd also seen some people talk about maybe a little bit of a PM edge with some of the past history at this tournament, something like nine of the last 14 tournaments at the Travelers had a guy from the PM win it. And I don't really care about that. So I kind of just wanted to go against the grain a little. And could I find plays that I liked all plays that I like at these prices that were going to be good on the week, not super popular. You'll see by my ownership percentages, but not in the range or the range or the realm of what I talked about a minute ago with all those guys that were super heavily owned. So I wish now looking back, like I said, I sort of loved Hobland could have went there still and got away from some things, you know, got off Scheffler and got that. I don't hate Scheffler only because I thought he was underpriced. People were off him. And in the end, he actually missed the cut on the number while bogeying the two par fives on the Friday round. So could have been a lot better. Not that he was going to do much on the weekend, but just the point of, you know, could he have made a cut? I ended up four to six, Scheffler and Homa missed the cut. But the theory behind it was the AM build, guys that I liked that I thought had upside for their price. Scheffler, Homa, definitely thought that. Leishman, who I mentioned, my whole intentions was, you know, big play here was the guy I was on all week. My biggest conviction was Rom, stuck with it, didn't pay off, but I stuck with it. The other guy that I had conviction behind was M, but I knew in this tournament that he was just going to be extremely heavily owned. He was going to be the web of last week. And it was where I thought I could take a stand because people still really did like Garcia. I did not expect to get an eight to one edge on 40% ownership versus five. Uh, gladly take that. And especially the way Sergio started the first round and, and you know, it didn't really go that way over the weekend. But I think that it was definitely a smart play on my, pers- you know, from my perspective to leverage in a field like this with only a hundred people. And it definitely could have worked out a lot better, but in the end, I'll still take it on Sunday. I, you know, I had an early sweat in the morning because Reed Garcia started off hot. And to be honest, I like Rom and Leishman more thinking, you know, a 66, 67 on Thursday, Friday, maybe he can bounce back after a bad Saturday. Rom like waiting for him to get going, still waiting for him to get going, stand by it with the price. I think it's just insane what's been happening with him he just can't seem to fully get it going and I'm not sure what it is maybe the mental game's off again a little bit I saw a little bit of interaction with his caddy Adam uh, I forget his last name at the moment but Adam is his name and and they were uh, back and forth and someone even joked about on Twitter said this you know his caddy just can't round him in right it's something that's going on there I know we've you know joked about it before but it's true Rom has literally had you know sessions with bomb defuse experts to try and get his mind right and get this mindset changed around because he knows and if you look at guys like Kepka and DJ, who I think he's sort of molding himself after in a sense where, you know, showing up big time, big events can make it happen. We know he's got the talent. He's only 25 years old. He's got the time, but he's really got to flip that switch soon. Is that guys like DJ, 
just, uh, you know, Claude, Claude Harmon, who's, you know, a coach that worked with DJ and Brooks Kepka as well, has said, that, you know, DJ doesn't have a rearview mirror. He doesn't think about what happened before. He'll come back out of the break where he was, you know, this weekend just passed, if you recall, standing in the water, making par from there, and then just not even thinking about that hole and then coming back from the break and finishing the tournament and going on to win handily in the end with, with the way Todd faded and Gordon was sort of just sitting there and Streelman couldn't get it done in the end. So I think, in the, you know, I wouldn't say one handily, but he was only one or two strokes. But the point is more, he doesn't go back and think about it. Rom still has that issue. So stuck with the build is what it is, guys. Didn't work out. The only thing I had to talk about was the early baby swag. And that was, I mentioned to you guys with the $33. Uh, it was the round three showdown, $33, 10K to first. I essentially, I came in 15th in the main, but I, I put in one bullet. This was like 40 minutes to sleep, one o'clock in the morning. These tournaments were closing. I quickly reserved some entries and just started hand building based on some stats that I looked at. And, you know, you, you get a little bit lucky, you get a little bit of baby swag, whatever you want to call it. It worked out. I'll take it. So overall in the week, solid week, like I said, the big loss was here in the 3K but, you know, is what it is. I'm hoping to save some of the baby swag for this week. And I think that's a good transition. Not, not a lot to talk about here. I mean, these lineups are what they are. You put them together. I do a strategy show for those of you guys that don't follow on Sundays. Um, sorry, on Saturdays for Sunday, round four, where I go through on Saturday night and I talk about everything in relation to game theory, the lineups. You know, I love this week. Want to make a big shout out. Thank you to Cards. He came on and did the show for me. I was obviously in the hospital with my wife having our son. So a lot going on. And I really do appreciate him stepping in. And not only that, he gave some great advice. You know, I, I'm not sure about, you know, the Todd play and, and everyone was in on that, but with a two stroke lead, it's not something that everyone, you know, should be all over. It's more of, you know, and I talked about this a couple shows ago. If you got a guy like that priced at 8,200, that's going to be, you know, six or seven strokes ahead at a course where you can score. And yes, you could still have some runners come from behind, but then you expect him to score more than he did being, you know, taking out the results oriented side of it. And then, then I would understand it more when he's only two strokes ahead with everyone behind him. I can see why the fade made sense for him or the underweight stance, I should say. And then also separating the guys that, you know, would be the chalkiest in DJ and him. I didn't mind that in something like a main lineup or a smaller field where you thought that could pan out, but I, I really love the three he gave. He won himself some money. I know he wants some others, some money. So again, big thank you to cards for stepping in and doing the show for me. Excited about what's ahead. Uh, I'll be back on all the content as normal this week, and we'll use that to transition, guys. We're going to talk about this week for a minute. Uh, I think you can see this. I've got the pricing up here. So stepping into lineup HQ, another shameless plug, but you guys will see me on this week. We've got our new member, the joined Roto Grinders, Justin Carlucci. Uh, excited to get on with him. He's got a, a high perspective on lineup HQ. He uses it. It's the only builder he uses. He wants to talk about that with me. We're going to do it similar to last week with Red Kachik, where we do talk about a pool go back and forth a little bit on some of the players and then get into some of his build settings. Everyone, as you guys have seen so far, does do it differently. Uh, that's not for this show. I want to preview the pricing a little bit, but just to give you guys a, a walk of life of sort of what the week's going to look like ahead and what you expect to see from me. So excited to do the show with Justin on Wednesday. We'll have more news on that as the week goes on with exact times and whatnot. But getting into this week's pricing, we don't have, first off the top, we don't have as strong of a field as what we've seen the last few weeks. A lot of guys are out now. They're going to sort of save it a little bit or get away from the Detroit stuff uh, and see what they can do in the, you know, I saw Justin Thomas today is in Bahamas with his family. You know, other guys are out doing different things. So uh, Bryson is still there. I mean, he's going to be extremely popular this week with the factor of when's he going to win. I already see two tags on him here. I think that's, yeah, that's Noto and cards. These guys are 
man, with the content, they grind. They get their work done quick. They're, they're putting me to shame. I'm trying to get on and do a show here, and these guys already got their work done for the week. So um, I'm sure if there's any updates to it, they'll, they'll work around it throughout the week. But just so you guys know, just goes to show what I expect. Getting to the top, we got Bryson, Webb, Hatton, Reed, Matsu, and Hovland. I think, again, Hovland got a tag here from cards. I like him. I think you could start some lineups with Hovland to be different. But I think it's pretty obvious to me early in the week that it's going to be Bryson, Hovland, a little bit of Matsuyama, a little bit of Webb, and then Hatton Reed, obviously, are going to go overlooked at these price tags. Don't have the ownership. I, it might be out yet already, but obviously, that's premium, so I want to save that, and we'll go through that stuff on Wednesday. But I think that's my early look at it. I like Hovland still. I'm not really sold on Bryson just yet. I got to see if he's going to be like 30%. I'll definitely be underweight. I wonder what he's going to be, though, if that's how everyone's going to start their week and then go down from there. Um, I don't know. If he, again, I mentioned this a few times ago, a few shows ago, but I, I don't know, and I've still seen the same thing. Everyone wants to say it just keeps slipping by, this putter, but it keeps slipping by because it, it does. He needs to work on it some, and I don't know if at 11-7, you're going to be able to, to pay that off as much as some of these guys you get down here, even starting at 10-2. Decky, Hovland, M, Fowler, Finau, Bub, back to the well with Bubba. Nah, who played well. Scheffler back to the well missed, as I mentioned, on the on the line by one and part, you know, bogey both par fives. There's a lot of guys in this range that I can see playing that doesn't have me as concerned about if this 11.7 K guy hits at the top. So see how the week goes, see how it plays out. It looks like he's going to be extremely popular. M always go back to the well there. I like that play. I think now might be a time more people start to get off just because he didn't pay off. Well, he didn't, he made the cut, but he didn't pay off at 8.6 K. So I don't know if there's going to be double flop lag or whatever you want to see there. If people will continue with it, but I, I'm not seeing it. So I'll be happy to go back on him. I like some Finau. I like some Ricky. Not as high on the others. I'll go back to uh, Nah, who I mentioned was in the winning lineup there in the 3180. I think, you know, even with the price bump, it's just, he looked fine. Doesn't seem to have any injury. The price will, you know, sh- people will shy away due to the price bump. Definitely back on Scheffler. So I'm really higher on that 9K range than that, you know, top level. English, just so you guys know, he's going to show up here. We'll adjust it shortly, but he did withdraw uh, the fifth member, I believe, that's been tested positive for COVID-19. And who knows with all these negative and false negative and positives, whatever's really going on, but they have to abide by it once it's happened. So that's sort of the PGA Tour rule, I believe. So he's out for this week. He's already made his statement. Getting down, I don't know how popular this range will be besides one guy who's absolutely going to be tagged up here, I'm sure, by the end of the week in Doc Redman. I get it. Um, you know, we talked about him earlier in the show. The price is good still. It didn't, you know, it definitely went up from 6700 went up $1,800. But I can see, uh, you know, the chalk being good chalk, quote unquote, good chalk, if you will. So he might be the, ho- the, the Hovland of this week. We'll have to wait and see. I personally don't know because I see a lot of pivots in here. I like Sabatini Poston. I like Glover. I like, you know, some EVR, some RCB guys down there that no one will play. And we'll figure out how those builds look when it gets to Wednesday and, you know, even when Kenny and I talk about a little bit on the pod here coming up, but I think that, you know, the range is pretty obvious where people will go. They're going to go to Redmond. Hovland Redmond will be a very popular start to lineups this week. So I'm, I'm sure some of you've got some dummy lineups out there already that start with that. So you can do that. I just don't know it. You know, again, you have to get, get extremely unique. You have to look back to what we looked at today. And that's why I don't think reviewing these lineups is foolish or, you know, some people think it's pointless. My, my thought process is more around. You can see, some things that stand out. And obviously what stood out last week was when you had Hovland, you couldn't have M, Finau, Woodland, and, and Neiman all in the same lineup. And can it work? Yes. Will it often work? No, just because the bust rate is so high. So look at things like that and, and go down from there. 
getting to the bottom. Will people go back to Todd at 7.8? Fair price. Obviously, he fell off the planet Earth on Sunday. Uh, you know, just that one hole especially made a mess of it. And that got in his head and, and it, you know, went from there. But I think at the end of the day, still played some great golf. He hit like every fairway in green or some every, it was like 41 out of 42 fairways at one point. So I know that much. And I think that's something you can go back to and look at there. Harold Varner, always a big fan of him. McNeely, the same. Uh, going down the list, Stewart, Michigan guy. He was a, a joke amongst the RG crew last week because he was populated so high with our projection and everyone was saying, well, should we adjust that? Is that too high? I don't know. Well, it really worked out. So I think Cal Spears was all over him. He was saying I should have had more steward in the end. So love that. Wes Roach, Will Gordon. These are two value plays that people will talk about. I'm just not sure how much they'll click. The reason being Gordon had the huge week that we just talked about at the top of the show coming in T3 and getting his exemptions and and basically getting his tour uh, specialized card or whatever they call it there, where he gets into all the events he wants to with the exemptions. And then Wes Roach, guy who crushed it here last year. I think he came third here last year and has been playing some good golf on the Corn Ferry Tour, at least one event recently. So uh, Kirk won on the Corn Ferry Tour recently. Hubbard already tagged up. You know, Noto's got a mention there uh, for some course fit and things like that, as well as, uh, you know, just how he's been playing. Sibu Kim does good at these types of courses, had a decent showing last week. Stanley, all the same. And then going down, this is where we'll dissect it more. I'll leave you guys with this. Um, you know, Tyler Duncan, 7K. Taylor Gooch, 7K. Ryan Armour, 6.9. These are just some early plays that stand out. And then I'm glad Cards got Wolf because I'm not the only one going crazy here. I think Wolf is interesting at 6,800 for some upside. Not sure where the price tag is coming from on him, but it seems like just projection systems, ownership, everything always seems to be down on Wolf. And I think he's got the talent. As we know, he can drive it out there can make it happen you know, at 6,800. That's a lot of upside. A really great play for GPPs this week, along with Hadley right there with them, Lanto Griffin, some other names. So um, I hope this helped. I hope you guys learned just a, you know, a little bit more each week that we do this. Go through, try and see what some of the commonalities are. Look at, you know, sort of try and segue and tie in all the things that we're going to be doing with content this week ahead and then can go back to some of this stuff and then utilize it in your builds ahead this week for the Rocket Mortgage Classic. So again, Thank you to all you guys. Thanks to Cards for stepping in last week. Thanks to everyone at the RG family supporting me, you know, and my wife with our newborn, everyone that's on Twitter who shouted me out and appreciate, you know, all you guys, you know, producer Devin getting up at any time of the day that I need to get on here to help me support my family. So anything you guys need, follow me on Twitter at Totag and Tambo, tag me in the discord, same tag. If you need anything other than that, we'll see you guys for the other shows this week. Thank you and good luck. 